Hey everybody, today I'm going to talk about note buying. I'm going to talk about managing a portfolio of real estate notes where you are the lender and you are managing a, the portfolio of homeowners that have a note with your company or with your yourself individually. I will go through you know the differences between those two and discuss one particular note that I'm working with right now that uh, has given me a little bit of trouble. So I figured today would be a great opportunity for this. I was uh, earlier I was in an appointment and uh, you know I was dealing with text as well. And I was looking down and you know my wife said I need to handle this note. The uh, seller, or the uh, seller, the buyer is late again, and or rather you know, the owner, the the homeowner is late again on their payment to us and you know this needs to be addressed now we're talking about foreclosure so you know I'm gonna walk you through my experience with this particular borrower and homeowner and uh, kind of you know I'll, I'll walk through the deal itself as well um, I don't have notes in front of me with all the specifics and exact numbers but you know you, you don't need those this is general in terms general terms I have most of the figures in my head but uh, I want to you know really explain what it's like to experience being a note holder a lender a mortgage or uh, to to a real estate uh, note that you know can pay you for your entire career and beyond so this is Corey Harrington with flip connect and here we go so the property that I'm working on right now, uh, the street name is Artiago, and it's in San Antonio. And Artiago is near Lackland Air Force Base. It's a three-bedroom, one-bath. I don't remember the exact square footage, but right about a thousand square feet, a little bit less. I bought the house maybe five years ago. Let's see. No, no, no. Wait. 2016, 17. So in 2016, 2017, I bought the house from a lady that um, that she uh, decided that she didn't want to be a landlord anymore, and she was just wanting to get out. She was in her, I think, like mid 60s at that time, and she's a great lady. I, I still work with her today. Um, she's receiving payments from me every single month on that property. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go over all the specifics and if you do have follow-up questions on the specifics you know I will just uh, feel free to please comment ask me uh, questions through email text you know whatever whatever you need to do and I'll, I'll do my best to answer those things probably in the form of another podcast or a perhaps a training session so there's gonna be a lot of things that I'm not gonna go over in full detail on, on all the nuances involved. This is more of just a topic of discussion to get you get you thinking about ways to receive passive income for life um, and you know make thousands of dollars a year off of one single note, something that you can accomplish in, in the course of maybe 10 hours of work. Um, easier said than done, right? Though you can retire 10 year, you know, uh, with 10 hours of work, and it's, it's not necessarily like that, but um, it's a very, very good instrument. These are my favorite debt instruments. These are my favorite investments to own. This is in my own portfolio, my wife and I, 
our, our company um, found the property, which means I found the property. My wife and I worked on it. I went there and bought the property. I fixed it up. I put it up for sale. I sold it. And I provided seller financing. Uh, I, think for, I think it was a 30-year note. So anyway, this Arteago property, um, I bought it for, I believe, $42,500 at the time. It was worth somewhere around $75,000. You got to remember, this is San Antonio, Texas, not California, not New York, not Florida. And this was a couple years back. The market continued to climb. This house, at this point in time, is worth roughly about $140,000, $145,000, assuming that, you know, the property is in, in good repair. I am uncertain what the property condition is on the inside. It's no longer my property. I'm just collecting payments on it. I don't have to lift a finger. I don't have to pay taxes. I don't have to pay insurance. Well, I am now paying insurance on this property through forced place coverage. And I'll talk about that a little bit. But here's the scenario. 42.5. Bought it for 42.5. I put maybe $15,000 in renovation. I will explain the renovation process in terms of the people I hired and the difficulties I encountered during that process um, during this as well. So I'm just going to kind of give you a whole breakdown of this one deal. They're not all like this. Some are much easier. Some could be more complicated. And definitely this is something for an experienced investor. I would not suggest you come straight out the gate and buy a house and flip it, sell it, finance it, and carry a note and think you're on easy street. You know, they, it, there's a lot involved in this process. And, you know, you'll be the judge of that. If after I explain it, you feel comfortable with it, by all means, go out there and do it. The purpose of Flip Connect, as I'm refining my purpose, is to educate passive investors on the things they need to understand going into an investment option to understand the process behind the scenes to a certain degree so that you can kind of vet the the uh the fund manager um that is making this offering and decide do you want to partner with these guys do you want to risk or you want to put your money up and invest in an individual or a company that's going to make these kind of decisions for you and manage it actively so that you can receive passive income. So that's that's my primary focus. My secondary focus is to train my, my peers, to train new investors and experienced investors how to build out a portfolio of notes, of rentals, of mixed-use property, apartments, residential. And specifically, at this point, it's focused on single-family residential. Apartments are next. I will go into more details with that, and I will have, you know, the mentorship program. And so if anyone has any interest in these, in these things and want to talk to me more about them, please contact me, Corey Harrington. My phone number is 210-355-2628. That's my personal cell number. 210-355-2628. Uh, my company, housebuyersdirect.com, or housebuyersdirect, but you can you can see us online at housebuyersdirect.com. Uh, you can contact us through that. Flip Connect, 
uh, flipconnect.com. My site is not even launched at this point. Uh, this is my 23rd podcast, and it's just been a couple of months since I've started this this whole podcast. If you're listening to this in the future dates, right now is late October, October 25th, 2021. So for sure, I will have that site up soon, but it's just not all that important at this point. Right now, I just want to get a bunch of podcasts out there, pique some interest, and uh, see where we go. But this session right now is kind of geared towards the investor, the active real estate investor that wants to go forward with, with, with these kinds of options, and it's a great one. So if you have some experience and you're comfortable and you have some capital reserve, cash reserves, and you have construction experience and you have negotiating experience and you have accounting experience and, and you feel comfortable you want to go ahead and uh, listen in and, and, and try the try the note buying out. It's a great option. From the start, it'll take a while to be able to afford your first one. Typically, you're going to want to buy the property, pay it off in full, then sell it. I leverage it. I explore options of arbitrage, of of uh, you know cross collateralization. There are other things that I get involved with, but. I'm going to keep this as straightforward as possible. The best thing to do is get the thing and get the property paid off. Now, if you're buying it for $42,500, you can get an equity line of credit. You can get a bank loan. You you may have that in your, in your cash savings and you buy it and you do the renovations. You're in it for a total. I think I'm in it for a total of under 70,000 at, at the point that I sold it. Um, you know, that's, that's doable. You can do one and then save up for a couple of years, flip some houses and, and, save up enough and do another one so this deal what i did is a little different and um, i picked it up at 42.5 and you know what i think it was 45 and i gave her twenty five hundred dollars down or i gave her five thousand down yeah like i said i didn't have the paperwork in front of me so yeah so so it was right around there um well under fifty thousand bottom line and total in under seventy thousand, with with construction costs, uh, utilities, electricity, so on and so forth, insurance, yada yada yada, taxes, and um, so you know, jumping back in, I bought the property. I sat down with her, I negotiated a deal. Well, I guess okay. Let's start this off first. I received an inbound phone call. My office picked it up. So we have a, an answering service. We also have someone, you know, working um, regular business hours on the phone in an office that we rent. This was this was at that time, and I believe my wife, um, I believe our answering service picked it up, and then my wife called back, set the appointment. I went to the appointment. Um, Mary was her name or is her name, and she sat down with me and brought her friend Sam. Sam is a gentleman that owns several other properties. I ended up buying a property, one, two, three properties from him over the course of the next couple of years, all seller finance. So that worked out great. Seller finance was perfect for her. She understood it. She's an experienced investor and she just does not want to deal with evictions and repairs and, and she was ready to move on. So had the house been in fully repaired condition, um, 
then the house at that point in time probably would have been worth closer to ninety to $95,000. Uh, when I bought it for seventy, dollars um, I mean, all in seventy, dollars I had a factor in my cost of construction. I had a factor in profitability. I had a factor in my mortgage costs, cost of borrowing money on the property. In this case, it was seller finance, so that was a different element there. I didn't have to factor that, but I, I'm covering how much it costs per month for mortgage. I was paying her, or I am paying her 7% interest on the loan, which is higher than a, a typical note. And I believe it was not $2,500, but $5,000 down. And so I had that money up front to pay her. So my total cost coming in was a little under $50,000 um, day one. And then I put in about fifteen grand plus ongoing, you know, it took me several months to complete the property's uh, renovation. And so all of that took some time as well. And then when I sold it, uh, my wife is a real estate broker. So at that time, I believe she was, yeah, she was still a broker. But sometime before that, she actually worked under another broker and she had to pay them um, a flat rate for every transaction. And she would get all the commissions, but she would pay them a flat rate plus the monthly ongoing services there. So we had to factor in all those expenses. And my offer price of the 45, I believe, and we'll just call it 45, is, is, um, factors in that the house as it sits untouched is worth about 70 I got offer 42.5 because I got I'm gonna put in $15,000 and all these other expenses and when it's renovated and completed it's worth 95 so the difference would be $25,000 that's that's my profitability and that's a gross dollar amount it wouldn't include commissions that I would pay to the buyer's agent if there was a buyer's agent in the transaction and other expenses, title, fees, insurance, and so on and so forth. So you gotta factor in all your expenses, all costs of goods sold or COGS. That's where I arrived at my price. I sat down, I explained all this to her in detail. I uh, showed her comps of, of comparable, of similar properties that sold in the area and the condition being similar and what those went for. I showed her properties that were renovated and completed in the area with comparable amenities, three bedroom, one bath, similar size yard, similar, similar neighborhood, you know, right up the street on the same street or three streets down in a similar looking neighborhood as you drive through, you know, the amount of cars you see or the proximity to a freeway or or you know a park you know all these things you, you want to factor in and look for like apples to apples comparisons when i did that it made perfect sense and she understood and i told her that my goal is to make you know 20 to twenty-five thousand dollars profit after all is said and done and so to make this deal at this price point instead of a lower price point for me, what would work best is to sell her finance. I will put $5,000 down and she would receive payments for the next 20 years and it would be paid off in full. She would receive 7% interest. So her total cash that she would receive over 20 years, you can calculate that out, 20 years at 7% interest on 42500 which is the, I think the final 
mortgage note that was set up and that would be yeah so I think maybe it was 47.5 I'm sorry I keep going back on that price point I uh, yeah but yeah so four I think maybe 47.5 uh, which makes sense, five thousand down, and then the then the note would be forty two five. Okay, that's the final answer. I, I'm pretty sure that's it. But at any rate, I made a very streamforward, streamlined, straightforward. She agreed. We signed a contract. I did title search on the property. I did not take it to a title agency, which you should. I did not because I can search title. I will self cover. That's not to say I'm self-insuring, but I'm taking the risk that there are no other outstanding liens on the property that I'm not aware of. And I made her sign an agreement saying to that fact that these things would be cured at her expense if it was wrong. So say she had a roof bill that we didn't know about and was $10,000 and uh, she just forgot to mention it. That $10,000 to cure it would have to come out of the amount that that I owe her unless she wants to write me a check for $10,000, which is unlikely. If I discover this, like say three months later, I get a bill from that address. It gets mailed to my company and they say, you owe us $10,000. You're the owner. Well, I can cure it with her and negotiate those terms. Since I have a 20 year note with her, it's a lot safer for me and it saves me the money of getting title insurance. So self cover is the option I chose. And I typically would do that on seller finance notes where she owes nothing on the property and she's owned it for a long period of time and I can evidence that. And and so that's so that's the path I took with this one. So that's, that saved me some money there. But again, for you, you should go ahead and get title insurance. There may be a title issue down the road and you wanna know that you have some kind of coverage. But also think of the fact that if they sign an agreement saying that they will cure at their expense and something does pop up that's their bill and you owe them a certain amount of money you're paying every month, well, you have leverage there. They've agreed, they signed, and they have a way, a means to do it. The big risk would be if that cost exceeds the loan amount. Um, but in this, this scenario, it's very unlikely that they, they would have a cost of, of 40 five or fifty thousand dollars for a roof and this house is tiny so then that just wasn't that just wasn't a factor for us or irs now we can check all these things so at any rate <clears throat> going back to the the beginning of the deal negotiated made an agreement we went and closed the deal we went to the bank and they received cashier's check and notarized all of the documents that we provided through our attorney, which is a promissory note, a um, insurance coverage documentation, an errors documentation, you know, that cure if she were to have made mistakes. Um, also our ability to, to change and modify if errors come up, like say we put the wrong spelling of her name, you know, we have the right to come back in a month or whatever time frame it does take to discover that error and correct it. Uh, so sign that document too. A warranty deed with vendor's lien the and, 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 a, and a deed of trust. So the deed of trust 
Now you can go to your attorney. These are the breakouts. These are the details. I'm not going to go over in in in, in great detail. It's something that you should probably talk with an attorney, or you, you know, you can do your own research and find out these things. But these are the documents in Texas at that time that we needed: deed of trust, warranty deed with vendor's lien, promissory note, and then the collateral protection insurance and the errors, errors and omissions, or not omissions, but you know, the, the, the correction document. So you don't need the correction document. I just wanted the correction document. And then we would record, uh, we would record the, uh, deed of trust with Bear County and she would have record of, you know, that, that document. We bought the house for such and such dollars. Um, they sold the house to us for this amount um, the promissory note doesn't get recorded, and uh, the um, actually, you know, I think the warranty deed with vendor's lien is the one that that gets recorded. Uh, my attorney handled that, and sometimes I mix that up, but that's why I would hire an attorney to handle these things. Um, the warranty deed with vendor's lien would indicate the dollar amounts which are subject to change. No, so I think it was, I think it was a warranty deed with vendor's lien that was not recorded. I'm gonna do a little quick Google search here. Hold on a second. Do you record deed? of trust in Texas. Okay, this is a, this is the document I received the first thing that popped up on Google from um, an investment company. Since this is a legally binding document, it is important your deed name the borrower or trustor, the lender or beneficiary and the trustee recording the deed alerts others that you are making the transaction public, but you are not required to record your deed in trust. Okay, so yeah, I am right. You do not record the deed of trust. You record the uh, warranty deed with vendor's lien. So that will duly note to the public and to your the person you sold the property from, so on and so forth, and any other creditors, debtors, you know, heirs, so, so on and so forth that you do own this property and you owe money to to these other people. So now that the lender is protected, and in this case she is the lender, the other document that I had, um, it was written both in my purchase agreement and it was written in a, in a, in a uh, ex exhibit, separate document that she signed, that I would have the right to sell the property without... Uh, bar, uh, lender's permission without lender's consent. I can do it on my own without getting special permission from them. But of course, as a courtesy and, you know, to me it, it's, it's it's a morally important thing to do that um, for goodwill and just for disclosure that you notify them. Now, if they disagree, you still can do it because they don't have the right to um, reject that option for you. But I always tell them at any given time, if I'm going to sell the property, even if I have to take it back in foreclosure, 
which may happen in Artiago, I will mention it to them. I will send it in writing. I'll give them the documentation, send them an email, maybe a copy of, of the, uh, the records, the public records. If, if they don't have access to them on their own or it's difficult for them to find, then I would go ahead and, and, and provide that um, as a courtesy. And really, it's just the right thing to do. What I don't want to do is limit myself to them and their whim to decide not to let me sell it to somebody who just moved to the United States or whatever reason they may have. These people don't seem like the right fit. You know, I don't want them dictating my business. So you write these agreements up front, you make it clear, and everyone's on the same page. And it becomes, you know, a simple thing. So uh, she had, uh, I had permission to sell the house. I still and always will owe the money to her. She is first lien. Um, she will not be subjugate, uh, subordinated, as in made lower, in the order of note due and owed. So if all payments cease, she will be the first one to be paid in the event of foreclosure always. No matter how much I sell it for or how much she is still owed. Even if she's owed a dollar left and I sold it to somebody and they owe me a hundred thousand dollars, the first dollar goes to her. Oh, I apologize here. I'm getting a text on my phone. I thought that would be private. Or, um, I thought that that would be silence because I did put my... I'm recording in, in a vehicle right now and on my, on my cell phone, but I did put everything on uh, Do Not Disturb, yet it still popped up on my phone. Incoming phone call from my son's school. Okay, that's fine. It's usually an automated thing. Anyway, too much information, I know. Sorry. So, where were we? We're back to the, the, the deal. Um, I own the property now, and now it's time to fix the property up. So... I've got all my paperwork in place. My goal is to sell the property, sell our finance down the road to someone else at a higher interest rate than I'm paying right now and a higher dollar amount than I'm paying right now. That gives me a nice profit margin. And basically, I would be able to pull my down payment back out through selling the property and requiring a down payment from the new, the new owner and borrower. Renovations. I was renovating at that time probably four or five properties simultaneously with an office staff of three with a construction crew of, I don't know, maybe 10 at that time. You know, construction crews are typically general contractors and um, uh, subcontractors and their crews. And I managed the general contractor he manages the subcontractor, subcontractor manages the crew, and you know, I, I go and make inspections on the property. So I have multiples working. And then I found a house that we planned on moving into, another property I bought. I bought it, did some of the renovation myself. My wife and my son on the weekends periodically would come in and you know we would come up with ideas and plans and draw things out and figure these things out as we go and kind of see, you know, we open up this wall and say, okay, we're going to make the bedroom, we're going to make the bathroom this size, we're going to make the the closet this size, so on and so forth. So we customized everything, and so we were, we were there 
And I was spending a good amount of time with that. Plus, I was busy with my cruise, and I was making, you know, making uh, having appointments, buying other properties, wholesaling properties, um, making negotiations on on uh, with partnerships, and you know, doing everything I'm doing in my normal course of business. So I was plenty busy. This property, um, I found a guy that worked that lived right across the street. From this other property that I was working uh, that I was renovating on Draybrook and this was out really close to SeaWorld in San Antonio and really nice little neighborhood and uh, you know I wanted to downsize for my larger house at the time I ultimately ended up downsizing but I I want but I didn't end up staying at this house what I ended up doing is especially because I had hard money construction loan on it and you know I could I could refinance at the end but um, I just decided to stay in my larger, more expensive house, and um, God, our house was just so big. It, it just—it was just a waste of money to me because where you live is a debt. It's not an investment until you sell it down the road if you have appreciation. But you know, you're gonna want to do things and make improvements and continue to update and, and add and you put in a pool and you know, it's your home. You know, it's—it's—it's it's, it's less of an investment and more of a debt. So it's kind of it's better, in my opinion, to have less expense, especially as you're building a business. There's going to be unexpected costs that go out there. Lessons learned in the past I've talked about. Maybe I'll talk about these again in the future. You know where my uh, my eyes were too big, uh, or bigger than my stomach, and that, and I was taking down stuff that you know in hindsight that, uh, that was out of my focus, and I should have stayed away from certain things. This big house was one. And I was like, eh, I'm so tired of spending all this money every month on the house. And it's nice and everything, but I'm only using half the house. I mean, the house isn't even fully furnished. If I fully furnished that house, it'd be $100,000 or more just in furnishings. But anyway, um, yeah, we wanted to downsize. So we were building out this house. And I was like, you know, this is the plan. I'm, we're going to move here. The house is maybe 2,300 square feet. My other house was 4,000 square feet. Plus a massive garage and an office space in there and the pool and tons of oak trees and, you know, all this stuff. Two big air conditioners. More than we need. I have one son and my wife and a couple dogs. And that's it. I don't need this massive house that that is more suited for somebody with a family of five or, ten, or six. So, you know, it's just us three. We just didn't, didn't need it. But anyway, so I met the guy that lived across the street because I was there so often, you know, making design changes and, you know, things I don't normally do with an investment property. Investment property, I typically have a, a, a channel, or not channel, I have a plan that that is drawn out and figured out day one, and we stick with it. If things come up that must change the, the plan, then we make those adjustments as we go, but it's it's much more methodical and not emotional at all. This one was emotional decisions. So I'm there, I'm hanging out, I'm doing some work and family's there and you know, we're kinda doing our thing. I met this real nice guy across the street. One of my contractors uh, hired another guy uh, to do some of his work and he didn't turn out. And so I fired him on the job and it was this whole mess. And he thought he was due a certain amount of money that I did not make agreements to. And so I needed to sit with him and he needed to show me everything he did to validate this cost and then I write him a check, turned into this whole big deal. Anyway, and it turned you know, we were arguing in the street 
and uh, it, you know the neighbor saw that and after after they left and we paid um, I talked to the neighbor and you know he was sharing his stories and we just became fast friends at that moment and so um, he was a contractor you know he did work um, and so his brother came over and helped finish out some stuff that that was left behind that I didn't want to deal with and um, kind of fill in the gap from that whole scenario that I just described so I said hey why don't you go over to Artiago and work on the house well he did and what happened though in this one is that he apparently um, had you know a marriage problem uh, and needed to move out of his house I made a mistake of tolerating him um, staying there a couple of nights at the property he was renovating until he found suitable living arrangements or went back to his house he ended up staying a lot more often than I knew and I discovered him there with multiple people having like a little party I'm like this is not working out you guys need to leave everyone has to go and you know I'm kicking people out on a Saturday in the middle of this you know, neighborhood that has a relatively higher higher crime rate over there and you know I'm playing police wasn't fun but um, that that relationship did not work out so I had to fire him at that point and I do have a big heart so I had an apartment that I let him move into and fix up because the people just trashed the apartment and so I let him go in there and fix that up and he did and he ended up moving out later on and found other arrangements. But it, it was something I shouldn't have got involved with. Kind of crossed over to personal because I felt bad. And he told me the story. And, you know, he did help me out in a pinch too. And so I wanted to help him out. So on and so forth. But, yeah. So I hired other crew to finish out Artiago. Had it done. And then one of my students at the time was a guy that, that was a teacher and he wanted to quit his high school teaching job. He's 29 at the time. He wanted to quit his high school teaching job to invest full time. At that point he already bought a property from me. I did sell, I did give him a second lien on, on a property that helped him do get his construction handled. And I gave him one of my good contractors to go and do the work on the house. And then I was always helping him out, talking with him and you know, we go look at houses. I actually, you know, went on a couple appointments of his appointments to help him get deals. And then, you know, I really took him under my wing, as I would if it, he was my brother. And and I don't normally do that, but I did with him. And it, there was no cost involved. It wasn't, uh, you know, this wasn't a consulting gig. This was just me helping him out. So anyway, he returned a favor. He is bilingual, and he was hustling, trying to find um, seller finance deals i wrote a book on or a pamphlet really it, it was about 100 some odd pages on how to buy houses subject to existing financing so that was his that was his uh, uh, angle you know i did i've done sub twos i own some sub twos i don't do sub twos too often there are risks with those as well in terms of the notes not being yours and if they get called due and there's problems but we'll, we'll discuss that in some other some other uh podcast but um, at any rate, that was his gig. That was what he was doing at the time. So he knew a lot of people 
in the area that wanted to buy houses that are not quite credit qualified but make good income and have a down payment and in that neighborhood um, it, it made perfect sense um, he's first generation from Mexico uh, he's bilingual the people that bought the house were first generation as well did not speak English and that turned out really well he ended up getting a deal for me for 92.5 I probably gave him a thousand fifteen hundred bucks as well plus he got the experience and he helped me out with that so I didn't have an agent or agent's fees and there were no commissions paid no expenses on that end and I ended up selling the house to them and they put a certain amount down and um, I think it was maybe about eleven thousand dollars down I think that's what it was and so we we continued with that path for about a year and a half and then they asked us if we can refinance sell the house rather transfer and uh, transfer the ownership to the people that bought the house to their family member and wife um the the family member and wife uh, that were actually living there which i didn't know and which was fine with me and it's not my business but they actually were renting it from them and they wanted to own it so i did we refinanced or well, not refinanced but we we uh, allowed them to um have instant approval on an, on a new note uh no money down in this case because the other one i'm basically just transferring it and i charged more so the note went up eight or nine thousand dollars now it basically went up from normal appreciation not even normal appreciation really inflation i mean just just i think i bumped it up five percent something like that but uh at any rate um i got a higher monthly payment i also charged a higher interest rate so I was make, i'm making a good interest rate on it and a 30-year note so now the new owners are there they've made improvements in terms of like doing insulation on the walls and they may have done other stuff on the inside of the house but i drive by periodically you know once a year or something like that um and it looked great landscaping's nice clean they painted it again i painted it one color they painted it another i could see that there's there's pride of ownership there so i'm really happy and they're making their payments for i don't know about a month and then uh they got behind and then they caught up and got behind again and then they caught up it became this yo-yo thing so i started charging the fees that i'm allowed to charge i have a payment company that handles the escrow which is the insurance taxes and the mortgage payment they also issue the payment to my lender on the property because remember for mary i borrowed uh, 42.5 and I still owe that. So right now, I think I probably owe about $28,000 on the house at this time. But I'm still continuing to pay her off and pay her down on the note. And so that's, I always pay her on time. She, if these guys do not pay or late, it does not affect her at all. I always pay her on time. If these guys never paid again and then destroyed the house and it burnt to the ground, I would still pay my payments until the point of hopefully that insurance would pick up the bill and and you know balance everything out and get her paid in full but i am always responsible for her to her regardless of what my borrower um pays or does not pay so i ended up um modifying their note 
and taking at one point in time they ended up being about four months behind um, they owe taxes coming up their escrow account was relatively low in terms of tax reserves and they had difficulties with insurance payments so at this point in time we now have two modifications I modified it twice and they are on forced place coverage and they are now again 45 days late and they have not responded back to our communications with them via text and the informal things that we do initially to have a conversation and dialogue with them to work out something that's mutually beneficial i would do things like pay me 900 dollars now you owe another 1400 dollars get that done in the next two weeks and I won't charge a late fee or I'll waive this or or or, or you know when it got to the point where it was very difficult I said I basically will take in the note amount that you owe and I will also give you extra money which will go into your reserve account the last one I did I gave them $1,500 into their reserve account which they can't touch it, and it'll go to pay their taxes when taxes are due. Now it's in my best interest that they pay their taxes because if they don't pay their taxes and there's a tax uh, a tax sale, I could lose my mortgage amount. So I mean, we'll get into that on some other specialized break break breakout session on you know superior debts. Taxes are always on the top of the heap. You cannot negotiate with that. But it was in everyone's best interest that they had an escrow amount that would actually cover partial, their partial tax and then they can catch up with it by making a little bit larger payment every month. So, you know, we work things out. I worked it out to the point where now there's no more working it out. If I do anything additional, it's going to financially hurt them because every time I modify, the payment goes up because the costs have to be put in to the loan amount and, and that raises that that raises their expense so they're in a lose situation now they're in a difficult to recover situation so now my option to them is to i have to start their foreclosure process but my option to them if they choose is to give back the property to our company deed in lieu of foreclosure instead of them getting foreclosed on and have that on the record and then for us to have to go through the auction process and at best we'll recover our principal amount that is due to us um, best case scenario worst case scenario we lose money and they get a default judgment and we try to collect the money that's owed to us and from someone who hasn't even been able to pay their mortgage payments and lost their house we're just probably not going to ever recover that money so that would be a, <clears throat> a potential known loss that we can protect ourselves against by allowing them to or giving them an option to give the house back to us deed in lieu of foreclosure and in exchange I will um, obviously cover any past mortgage payments because you know I'm, I'm, my my offer back is that I'm going to take over what they owe in taxes because they, they think they owe about $3,000 right now and you know they owe us thousands of dollars in mortgage payments that gets wiped out um, I will assume their taxes I will not um, bill them for that um, and then I will also give them money if they leave the house in good condition broom swept clean and and just exit it's cheaper it's safer it's a better way to go 
to pay them as opposed to hiring an attorney foreclosing and they trash the place and refuse to leave and destroy things and then we have to do a um, eviction after the fact and evict them from the property through law enforcement it just turns into a thing that that's that's not ideal i've done that multiple times it's not fun it's stressful and you lose money and you lose time and you lose effort and you're paying extra bills to attorneys and other court fees and 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 you know sheriff or constable fees for for the process of you know um, serving them and it just turns into a whole big thing wouldn't it be so much better to just offer them some money less money than you'd pay to go through all this other process and get the house back right now and get a house back in clean and good condition and then give them give them that cash they can go now out and and hopefully secure a deposit for a down payment or not down payment they probably won't get a house um, but secure a uh, deposit for rental um, their foreclosure is not going to be on record it's not foreclosure so they could potentially get another house sooner than later once they are able to correct their financial problems and and get back on their feet and have stability you know they, they can be in another house in a year you know it's a possibility so this is a good scenario with them I'm offering that option and I'm also offering uh, option B which is we do deed in lieu of foreclosure as well same description as before but I would give them an option to live in the property still and rent it so they would lose their their equity if there is any in the house at this point I don't know what they've done or what the condition is um, they would they would lose that but they would now be able to make a lower monthly payment as a renter I would you know make less money because I would rent it to them at a rate that's lower than market because anything higher they really can't afford it I'd basically take I, I don't remember I don't I don't have the accounting in front of me but um, I believe their payments are something about something around twelve hundred dollars a month the going market rate there for rent is about thirteen fifty um, <clears throat> I would probably agree which I haven't really decided yet but I'd probably agree to to a thousand bucks or 995 or you know something right around there a couple hundred dollars less than what they're paying right now they don't have to worry about all those other expenses of home ownership they do lose their equity but they're going to lose their house anyway and if somebody buys the house at auction chances are they're going to buy it for somewhere around what's owed they wouldn't necessarily receive equity anyway they could renovate the house or fix it up even nicer and sell it for top dollar in this market but these kind of proactive planning ahead and putting money into the property you know they didn't even make their mortgage payment they're not going to do that option they may not be able to afford it they may not be organized enough they may have family problems I don't know what their scenario is but I am offering them that that rental exit on top of this I would give them a free month or a credit on November's on December's payment right now it's October I would I would uh, not charge anything for rent from today November 1st which is only five or six days uh, six days but um, they would pay the first month you know 995 
And then in December, they'd pay zero. And I chose that because, you know, the holidays. And it would be, you know, they would probably want to spend money on family. They probably have difficulty making their payments anyway during that time. So I'm helping them recover and giving them that grace and also taking in all those expenses. All of that, all in all, is a win for me long term because if they stay as tenants, I have hopefully a, a long term tenant. And in the, you know, in the future, they, they have options. They could find another property. I don't think I'd want to lend to them again. Um, they may buy that property again in the future. Um, if I make any improvements to it or the value goes up, it's my prerogative. I can charge what I want. But I would not want to charge too much more than what they originally bought it for because I don't believe that's even right. There's some kind of... There's some kind of... Um, ruling against doing that in the past that made that a thing that's you know unallowed and it should be unallowed really because then i'd just be opportunistic and i don't want to do that i don't want to you know take it from them or get buy it pick it up deed in lieu of foreclosure and then make some nominal improvements and a year later charge them twenty thousand dollars more than what they uh originally owed on it you know they're less like they're not even gonna be able to make those payments but that's really you know that's that's uh that's not a good thing to do that should be illegal if it, if it isn't so i so my scenario would basically be look you can rent it for a while figure out what you want to do find another property buy that move out of here when you're ready and then i can go back to normalized rent uh i probably end up just selling it again i would probably end up um, putting some more money into the house and um make it as nice as I can and sell it for as much as I can in the future. So, so that's the scenario. Now, that is the whole story up to this point on that property. It was still worth it to go through some of the things we go through because I do not need to repair anything. I no longer am responsible for the taxes. I do not have to go and inspect the property. I don't have to worry about turnover. I just have to make sure my payments are made. And my only obligation at this point is the debt I owe to Mary every single month, which is a reasonable dollar amount, and I can manage that all day long without needing um, to worry about if, if my tenant, or my tenant, if my borrower is going to make their payment. Because if my borrower can't make their payment, am I going to be able to cover that and pay Mary? Well, don't buy a property and take it on seller finance and fix it up and sell it to someone else on seller finance if you can't afford to cover months where your borrower is not doing what they're supposed to do. So I took that on as a risk I can take and I'll take on as many of those as I can as long as the risks are in line with the rewards and I have plenty of capital reserves to cover unforeseen things and unpaying borrower non-paying borrowers borrowers so at the end of the day i'll make a, quite a bit of money off that property no matter which angle i go in and it's a great option note buying is a, is a great a great way to accumulate and and really have passive income so if you don't want to go through that process you would work with someone like me who does go through that process, who enjoys going through that process, who understands it and does it pretty well. 
because I will be able to take your money and invest it in notes and other investments that are residential apartments and and, and single family residential the areas that I'm comfortable with and in the locations that I know very well and continue to accumulate wealth you would receive a large portion of the proceeds on monthly cash flow on the point in time if, if it, the note ever does get sold um, there would be you know cash um, that could be reinvested you can um, you know take the money back out there's uh, you know I don't want to get into the specifics of these things because this is not an offering but what I'm saying is if you're comfortable with all the mechanics that I had described and knowing that this is one of the tough ones there's plenty of easy ones where I had no problem at all there's other ones that are a little bit tougher but this is kind of the most challenging and frustrating part of the business um, and, and I'm you know it's just how you manage it that makes the difference and so if you're less comfortable with that but attracted to the kind of returns you can get you know you can run your own calculations I'm not going to tell you what you can make but you know take the numbers I described today map that out and see if it fits your criteria and your your uh, your goals and if it does do it on your own actively as an active investor professional uh, or or part-time or work with someone like me who will provide um, active management um, asset management and uh, portfolio management and give you a good return for a very long time uh, so long as everything works out okay so hopefully this was helpful this was 53 minutes I don't know if I'm going to break this up into two episodes maybe I'll just run this thing full we'll see um, Corey Harrington with Flip Connect. this was Note Buying 101 I hope it was helpful have a great day and if you have any comments or questions, you can contact me on my personal cell number, 210-355-2628. Or you can email me, Corey, C-O-R-Y, at flipconnect.com. You can reach me on LinkedIn. You can reach me on Spotify. You can reach me through uh, YouTube, probably, coming up soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's how to get a hold of me. Just call me. Just or text me. You know, we'll talk. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening in.